The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I am Steven Serta. Chiefs will be back on the practice field this morning in St. Joseph, Missouri, but we still got plenty to get you caught up on on your way up there. We'll start things off with the Out of Structure podcast, discussing some realities of training camp after that. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, discussing the five things that actually matter from the first few days of training camp. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with Show and BK, discussing Chris Jones and what he means to the Chiefs and why they have to figure out a way to make this extension work. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Definitely camp getting off to a good start, but the only the only not good thing about it is Chris Jones, which, which we'll get into. But but besides that, no, camp was great. Dude. Uh, uh, camp uh, was, was a good time. St. Joe. Stags, we gotta. We're gonna have to get you up there, man. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get you, get you up there, and, and get the whole AP crew up for for camp soon. Yeah, I'm hoping to make it there. It's always a good time if you're in the Kansas City area, or if you can get there. Certainly recommend it. There are some observations we want to get to, um, and, and really, again, I think there's a couple of hard truths we gotta we gotta face here. We've heard the news coming in from around the league this morning for, of several players going down with pretty significant injuries in camp. And that's one of the first harsh realities of training camp that you got to face is that unfortunately you get on the field and and bad stuff can happen. There was uh, uh, the Lions big free agent acquisition, Chauncey or CJ Gardner Johnson went down with a non-contact knee injury, which is never a good thing. Uh, There's also Naheem Hines of the Buffalo Bills uh, that is – I had, had a pretty significant injury of his own. You always hate to see that for any team, for any player, of course, as you enter training camp, especially uh, if you're doing something that's even not football-related as the case for, for Hines. The Chiefs have had an injury of their own, and, and I think this is maybe a, a place we can start. Um, in your observation, you, you notice that, uh, that Kadarius Toney uh, left with a knee injury during – uh, during his training camp practice when he was catching punts. And there was an elf, uh, black elf question here. Uh, what's your confidence room in the, the confidence in the wide receiver room with Kadarius Tony already having issues. So this is to me, the first somber fact that we have to face is that Kadarius Tony is already facing an injury. Should we be concerned with that? Is that, uh, uh, is it something significant or, 
uh, is this par for the course with the early days of training camp? Well, I mean, it's not great that he couldn't even make it to the practice. That's the thing, Stags, is, is this wasn't something that happened as they were running through drills during practice. Um, he, he wasn't necessarily running a drill as a punt return or kick return. He was just warming up. This is what anyone who, who plays football, you know, back in the day, even in, in, in high school, you know, when you're kind of a, a DB or a, a running back or receiver, a lot of times, you know, with the punters and kickers, you know, when they're warming up, you just go shag balls for them, right? Just to get yourself warmed up, you know, catch a ball, you know, get the hand-eye coordination going, get get the, you know, get yourself, you know, catching the exploding up field, you know, running for 10, 20 yards. That's that's how you get warmed up a lot of times. And and that's all he was doing. And and that was before practice. Caleb James, actually, our, our other analyst, uh, he was there with me at, uh, at, at camp. He was actually down there. I, I was somewhere else. And he saw Tony go to the tent first. We were kind of both hoping it was just precautionary. Maybe he just needed a little extra work before practice got going. But nope, it was it was not. Uh, he did not return to practice and is not at practice today, or not uh, warming up at least, according to Pete Sweeney, our boss man. Um, he's up uh, is up there at St. Joe today as well. Um, so it is definitely a little bit of uh, something to to think about with 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 Tony in the receiver room. But but my thing is is the standout of the day, according to all the media members, and I was I was hyping him up too. So I can't say I I, I was innocent of it, but. You know, the guy that, that seemed to step up in his place was was Richie James. Um, and, and, and so we'll talk about that a little more. But do you have anything on, on, on Tony? Um, you know, any any reaction to kind of how he, he tweaked it, you know, not even getting into practice? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's somebody that needs to be in bubble wrap whenever he's not on the field on offense at this point. I'm not sure that I would even let him practice as a punt returner, uh, you know, at this point in the season. I think you got to get him ready to be the featured guy in the offense like they hope that he can be. If he's if you really think he's your number one, then they need to protect him as such. Yeah, well that's the thing is is I'm I'm coming to the point where, you know, the team the team had no reason in the world not to give him that kind of hype up. Uh we actually talked about it in the group chat recently. You know, I you know, do we really do we really believe the Chiefs believe in him as a wide receiver one? Um or do they think of him as just like a, a really, you know, good nice piece of the offense that could you know have a lot of production but what what was the disadvantage of them calling him a wide receiver one at that point you know they're so far away from the leverage uh, or from the negotiation part you know where it's not like he's going to get any leverage from them calling a wide receiver one they still have another year of control after these next two years if they want to exercise it but that's the thing stags is is it does come to a point where you know they do have to exercise the fifth year option after this year and and if he can't prove that he can stay on the uh, field after this year I guess you don't really need to worry about uh, picking up that fifth year option because it is it is not you know it's a decent chunk of change about thirteen million or fourteen million depending on how well he does um, guaranteed in that fifth year and so you know in my head I've always thought okay they have him in team control over the next you know three years but he does have something to prove this year because if he doesn't prove it this year then he's in a contract year next year and you know he doesn't have that fifth year option the team doesn't you know the team may not believe in him you know so he does have a lot to prove this year so he does need to stay on the field it is it is an important year for Tony. You bet. Well, we'll talk more about the wide receiver in just a minute, but let's get to the other somber truth we got to face. And, and you mentioned it already. Chris Jones is not there for the start of camp. Looking for that new contract is in the final year of his deal. Uh, I think both parties want to get this deal done, but reports coming out showing that he, they are farther apart or they're still far apart is never something you want to hear at this point. That's clearly something that a, a, an agent would leak uh, to let everybody know that the team is not, you know, given in to their demands, basically. So there's, there's a whenever it goes public, to me, it's usually a bad sign. I was hoping this thing would stay quiet until it got done. 
that hasn't been the case so far. Uh, are we concerned now? Do we need to start worrying that this maybe isn't going to happen at all? I, I definitely think it's time to entertain it, time to think about it, because I just think Andy Reid's reaction to being asked about it, him, you know, obviously he's not going to be a fan of anyone holding out, but, you know, his exact words were, you know, it, you know, communications were good or things were good between us just until a little bit ago. Um, and, and, you know, and to me, that means, you know, he kind of thought everyone was on the same page in terms of either, all right, this deal is getting done or, you know, you're going to come to camp at least, uh, or just, you know, you can hold in, I, I, you know, avoid the fines, you know, be with the team. You know, I know that's still to me, you know, there's still some things about that that don't, you know, it, it's still it may be even more of a distraction if he's there and, and, and isn't practicing. But to me, it, it is weird that, uh, you know, we're getting to this point. Um, but at the same time, we've seen the Chiefs do this with multiple star, you know, not star players, I should say, you know, with Tyreek, absolutely a star player. You know, they, they pushed it to the limit. He wanted more than they were willing to offer and traded him. Orlando Brown Jr. We saw last year, you know, he pushed it to the limit. The, the you know, the team didn't want to, you know, the team paid, you know, offered him a pretty good deal and he turned it down just like we're, we're seeing in this situation uh, most likely. So the, t- the team has shown that they're not willing to, to, to budge. And, and Chris Jones, you know, as, as much of a star uh, season as he had last year, you know, the team has a value on it apparently. And, and Chris Jones is pushing that limit a lot. And so, I don't know. I do think, you know, we could see Chris Jones finally, you know, or the Chiefs, I should say, you know, kind of just finally say, look, you know, this is it. You know, this deal is the deal. And if Chris Jones gets mad enough about that, man, he could say, hey, look, you know, then, then get me somewhere who's going to pay me better or, you know, I – there's that possibility. I, I don't think it's likely, but like, I think at this point we have to entertain the possibility that like Chris Jones could either get upset or just not get upset, report to camp and not get that deal. Um, but the deal may not get done. Yeah. It's, it's fair to expect it at this point, or, or at least to expect it as a possibility because the chiefs have drawn that line and they have been conservative about giving out giant contracts, especially the older players. So it, it is one of those things that, you know, Chris Jones isn't old yet, but, they, they've been they've been very hard line when it comes to contract negotiations over the last few years, except for Mahomes, which for good reason. Um, so I think we got to have some concern there. Obviously, we can still be optimistic that it gets done, but the possibility is there. All these options are on the table, and I think you know we had a couple questions here that came in about it. Uh, Jake Wilson asked. You know, Chris Jones is a game-wrecking stud. Are, are we sure the Chiefs even want a new contract? If he's 29 already, the Chiefs still have three seasons of potential club control. Um, is that a, an opportunity uh, or, or a waste if you start thinking about him in terms of three straight contract year performances? So what Jake's talking about here is is one of the options. It's maybe – not the option that Chris Jones and his team would want, but Jones could play out the final year of his contract this year. The Chiefs could franchise tag him next year and the following year. And you've just gotten Chris Jones from age 29 to 32 without uh, uh, without committing a, a whole ton of guaranteed money. Uh, those are all obviously guaranteed numbers uh, are already, but it's still you know less expensive and less of a long-term commitment. Now, obviously – doing that to a player would almost ensure that he's not going to want to sign a long-term deal. <laughs> you might have to deal with some holdouts, but uh, what do you think about that opportunity? Uh, should they just roll with the three years of club control and, and tell uh, 
Chris Jones's agent to go uh, kick rocks. Well, yeah, you 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 hit it on the on the head right there with with the fact that you know th- this isn't Madden. I mean, this, these are real people's lives, and you know, Chris Jones is not going to be a fan of this organization if if they're going to just you know string him along like that. But you're right. I mean, you know, next year the I'm looking at the 2024 projected franchise tag number for a defensive tackle. It's 21 million. I mean, that's a bargain for Chris Jones. Um, and the following year, it's going to go up, you know, a little bit. Uh, it's still going to be a bargain. Um, so in theory, it is uh, it is a good idea for the Chiefs and maybe where the Chiefs are going to have to play hardball and, 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 and do this. But at the same time, man, uh, yeah, you, you can't, especially with someone like Chris Jones, who has proven it two times. I mean, this isn't someone coming off his first big year. This is someone coming off his second big year. And they were like, what, four seasons apart, I want to say. And, and this last season being one that that may have helped you win the Super Bowl when you talk about his AFC championship performance, that low scoring game. You know, Chris Jones dominance. You may not squeak that game out uh, if the Bengals offense to get is able to get anything else going. So and he he's going to hold games out. Right. Like, I mean, that was yeah. him. That was him with with sacks in the final drive. I mean, yeah, that's this is oh, a yeah. this is a cornerstone piece of your franchise. Yeah, and that's where I think we all maybe with the Super Bowl glow on all of us are thinking, oh, they'll definitely just sign him. But you know, this is a business, and uh, Jake Jake might be pointing out where the Chiefs are maybe uh, thinking about. But I still think the Chiefs aren't that. You know, they're not that. Uh, I don't want to say naive. That's not the word for this. But just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think they'd either get him to somewhere and and get the assets back. You know, while he's at this peak, if they really didn't want to extend him, um, or you know, or they're just going to go into next year, try to franchise tag him and trade him after, you know, when they have him on the tag right next year. So we'll, uh, but I, I, I think the chiefs are still trying to get something done. It's just, Chris is asking for a lot. And, and I, I think they'll meet in the middle ground eventually. Well, Teeb, the Bohemian premium asked worst case scenario, Chris Jones gets traded. Does that make any kind of sense? I mean, exactly what we're talking about. If they don't really want to sign him, you should trade him right now in terms of, in terms of asset return, right? Now, I wouldn't necessarily say you should like overall because I'd still like to have him in 2023 as this team tries to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Um, but at the same time, his P- his value to a team is not going to be any higher than it is right now. I mean, he's coming off of, you know, a, 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 just a great overall season. You know, there's a chance, you know, he doesn't have that good of a season this year and his value is not the same, you know, next offseason when you can tag him and trade him. Um, in that sense, and someone else, you know, maybe next year he, someone else may not want to pay him the way they want to pay him right now, and is willing to give you, you know, potentially a first round pick or, or something in return. So, in that sense, it does make sense. The Tyreek thing, it's the same thing, right? Like, hey, if they're going to get to a point where it's either I'm not getting anything in return, or you know, like that's kind of where they got with Tyreek, they're going to pull the trigger. But I just don't think I, I can't, I can't imagine they're at that point right now. It's, it just seemed like they were, you know, Chris Jones was at the ESPYS with Mahomes and Kelsey. You know, he. he, he you know, he, he's been at things. I just, I, I think he, he wants to he's be already there. said, I want to be a chief for life. I'm not exactly. playing another franchise. Like this is, he's just playing hard. Yeah. It's negotiation time. You're going to, we have to entertain the worst case scenarios, but we hope that the nuclear yeah. option doesn't, doesn't hit. Um, well, in his absence, this is maybe one of the strongest negotiating points. Chris Jones may have uh, <laughs> is that, Without Chris Jones, who lined up in his place in, in training camp? Yeah, you know, it was Daniel Wise, former Jayhawk. So shout out our, our, our Kansas Jayhawks here. Uh, you know, remembered him well for his time in Lawrence. But uh, not someone who's known for his NFL play. Let's just say that. Uh, you know, he he was on the Washington Commanders last year, played 11 games and only played and only made one tackle in those 11 games. 
um, but was signed to the Chiefs practice squad for the playoffs. And so that's where I think why he's in the lineup is because he, he does have familiarity with the system in terms of, you know, he was on the practice squad for, you know, a month plus last year, all the, uh, you know, through the Super Bowl run. So I think that's where uh, that's where it makes sense. He's on the starting lineup over, you know, guys that are first year players here uh, in that three tech position. Um, you know, like, you know, you could have had O'Many Hugh in that role, but, you know, he's still probably trying to learn the defensive end position. So I think it really is just a placeholder, but Stags, you're right. It is a very good point for Jones to say, look, you know, if, if you really want to do this, your defense up the middle, Naughty and Daniel Wise as your starters, man, we're, we're going to see some, we're going to see some gashes. Let's just say that. I'm just laughing at the irony of uh, Chris Jones's replacement right now as a guy who said is, not known for his NFL play. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We just wrapped up day four of full Chiefs team training camp. We're heading into a day off on Thursday that we all need, and then pads come on. The pads come on on Friday, and the Chiefs will be working through the weekend, so will we, right here at ArrowheadPride.com, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Steven Serta taking care of you there. I got a tweet from Tay Squared, uh, so thank you for the tweet. And he tweeted at me, it'd be dope to understand what Steve Spagnolo means on the next editor's pod when he says uh, the following, John. There are nine categories to defensive efficiency, you guys have probably seen it before, and we want to be number one in the NFL. Defensive efficiency points allowed third down in the red zone, right? It's all the rankings in those particular categories. I'd like us to climb up there. I'm not going to worry about that week to week, but at the end of the year, I'd like that to be the ultimate goal. The chatter among the defense this week is that they have made the goal of being top 10. And John, you have actually noted this before on the website. I know for a fact that yards per game that are allowed points per game that are allowed even who cares about it. We want to be efficient as a defense. So uh, in a synopsis, uh, in, in a way, can you describe what Steve Spagnuolo means by those nine categories? We really don't know exactly, but um, right. we have an idea. I think he's got some kind of an in-house metric, or mm -hmm. it might even be a metric that's coming to him from an outfit like pro football focus, some third party, uh, provider is giving him information on what he called defensive efficiency, which sounds like DVOA uh, that comes from footballoutsiders.com, which stands for uh, defense adjusted value over average. Hey, I managed to remember that right off the top <laughs> of my head. And that is basically a theoretical value of how efficient either your offense or your defense is. Yeah. Now, uh, Spagnolo talked about being, uh, well, I guess it was Nick Bolton who mentioned it, being 21st in efficiency last season over the course of the season. DVOA had the Chiefs at 17th, uh, ranked 17th in the league. So it's it's a similar kind of metric, and it seems to have given, given roughly the same answer to Steve Spagnolo that we get from D, from football outsiders on the Chiefs' defense last year. Good. A good example was that Bucks game where they were blowing the Bucks out. Remember this, yeah. Tom? Mm -hmm. And and so in that game, all you want to do is keep the other team in bounds. So you know, like, like if you're up by 17 points in the fourth quarter with like eight minutes to go, right? Who cares if they score? As long as they eat seven minutes a clock, right? So it's more of a contain. And so in that situation, 
you're going to be dinged up left and right by yards per game and points per game. Sure. You probably mm-hmm. shouldn't be right. You're still an right. efficient defense because you're accomplishing the goal. And so I, I think long winded turned into short winded. That's what he's getting at. He's like, let's be in, as an efficient defense as possible. That's what we want to be top 10. in. And so he's saying, I look, I don't want you to come up to me at the end of three weeks here and uh, be talking to me about how bad we are on defense. All right. Okay. All right, so let's get into the most important part of our podcast, and that is the five things from the first days of camp that actually matter. I haven't told these to John. A little bit of surprise here. All right. Um, but I'll go one at a time. The first thing that I've learned, and I, I'm going put it first because I'm going to eat my vegetables first, John. And you know what? I should have known this, and, and I'm upset at myself because who do you see at Big Slick now every year? Big Slick KC. You always get this selfie of Peter Schrager and Brett Beach and Peter <laughs> Schrager and Andy Reid at the scouting combine. Peter Schrager always hanging out with the Chiefs, shouting out Arrowhead Pride, trying to butter us up. Steve can't even book him on the podcast. He doesn't even really care about Arrowhead Pride. And there he is always getting probably these tips from the Chiefs front office because it, it does seem like they have a very clear friendship and relationship to the point of having dinner. Peter Schrager has connections presumably with every team. Day one of the scouting combine, he's having dinner with the Chiefs, right? A couple of months ago, I don't know if it was a month or two ago, he has on his breakout players of Good Morning Football, Justin Ross. And I should have said to myself, if Schrager has Ross on this list, I should be giving him more attention. I should be taking him more seriously. Maybe maybe not as much attention, but I should be taking him more seriously. And I didn't. And I laughed and I laughed and I said, this guy's never had a snap in the league and he's injury prone and let's see if he can even make it through a week. And here we are now, John, and through the first four days of camp and he's getting a lot of snaps with Patrick Mahomes, like a lot, a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. along with Rasheed Rice. And so already even let's say the Tony injury doesn't happen. I still think he would be getting snaps with Patrick Mahomes. I think he certainly have ha- has had maybe a few more with Mahomes and and here now I, I stand before you and I say as I was alluding to in the last segment I think the Chiefs have to probably keep seven receivers because I don't think Tony's going to be ready I think they do a handshake deal with a Blake Bell or a Derek Noddy where they get him back the next day <sighs> I can't even say this I got it in bed a full cake on it I I'm thinking now that Justin Ross is that seventh receiver who makes the roster. And I, I, I hate to say it. Um, I don't hate to say it. I, I, it, I hate myself for bringing myself to this point where I have to say it and feel bad about it. I don't think you should feel bad about it. I think there are good and valid reasons to be concerned about whether he can make the team. Um, we have never seen him take a, still haven't seen him take a, a snap in a full contact practice. And that's going to be the key issue with him. He is he has a condition that he's had surgically repaired, but he had a, a, a condition that normally would end a sports career, an athletic career. And he had a repair procedure. He's been cleared to play. But no one with this condition has ever played in the NFL. We literally do not know what's going to happen. That right there is enough to be concerned about whether he can make the team. Yeah. And and so I, I think it's perfectly fair to have that doubt until we've seen him play 
and have some kind of a sense on how well he can survive and how well he can play uh, when the pads are on and when guys are going full speed, for example, in the preseason game, if we see, if we see Ross play a great game in the preseason, I think we'll be able to say, well, yeah, this guy could easily make the roster and should make the roster. And we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So I don't think you should feel bad about it. Now I agree I, that maybe we should have seen this coming with Schrager. Yes, but, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And here's another thing. I think the key to this is he's huge. He's six six feet four, and it's right. just a re- it's a receiver that Mahomes has not really had yet. Yeah, and uh, as far as a, a big target that can actually move downfield, and you're just seeing signs that they're trying they're trying to find a way for him to make the roster, and they want him to prove it because, like yesterday, you have Pat, and that he is he doesn't. Justin Ross does not have the Kelsey Mahomes mind meld because Pat was wanting him to <laughs> run a fade a certain way in the end zone. And he just like, didn't run it correctly. You could see that Pat went up to him and asked after the talk and he, and Pat under his own volition talked about it at the podium mm-hmm. and said, yep. you know, Justin Ross, we tried it yesterday and uh, he didn't really like run it correctly. And that's why we're running it because we want him to do it in a game and score a touchdown in that sense. And I'm not, I don't think he's talking in that scenario about a preseason game. And then they go back to him today against the Chiefs' best cornerback of training camp, Trent McDuffie. He's looked great. He's like just missed about three or four interceptions. I I think by the time we get to the middle of camp, he's going to be uh, going back and forth with Pat and actually knocking the ball away. He got a pass breakup yesterday, but right over. McDuffie and like right into the back shoulder of Justin Ross down the sideline. It looked like it even might've been one hand. And you're just like, I'm just like putting my hand on my face and I'm like, why did I laugh so hard about the prospect of this guy making this team? (laughs) Now there's a long way to go. Right. And I'm not rooting against him. Um, And as you mentioned, we have to, um, we have to see if he can make it through a training camp. You know, you you hate to compare compare him to Kadarius Tony, but since he's had that final year at Clemson spilling into the league, it's been similar in the sense it's just been tough to keep him on the field. He missed all of last year. The good thing was he was in the building with the Kansas City Chiefs and really got to, I think, learn the culture, sure, learn the yeah. playbook, and that's helpful. And so um what I would tell you is so far so good for Justin Ross. I'm seriously considering him for my second iteration of the 53-man roster, and we will see um, what it means for him that that Tony uh, is now unlikely to be available toward the beginning of the season. I just think it opens up an opportunity, and uh, and I'm glad I didn't make another cake bet on this because I I fear <laughs> that I would be getting. Uh, a sugar rush once again. So that's the I'm, first. I'm glad you didn't make the cake bet too. I'm just, yes. I just want that on the record. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, like eating a hat. No, <laughs> no eating your tweet. Nothing. Okay. Uh, so Justin Ross, I talked about that. Second thing from the first days of camp that actually matter is come on with the Eric Prince. My goodness. Tulsa, what are you doing? Not throwing to this guy. If you look at his college stats, he doesn't have a ton of receptions in any of the years that he was at Tulsa and he has been if not one of the most sure-handed players skill players at camp so far Deneric Prince now uh, we want to just pencil him in and say see you later McKinnon you're old now you're old news we're going to lean into the new and shiny but now we're going to get pads on Friday John a key for this for Deneric Prince uh, in addition to 
catching the football and catching it in stride and bursting up the field on these wheel routes and such is going to be what is he going to do in these blocking drills when it's running back versus uh, a linebacker and it's one-on-one, you know, and, and you have to see, okay, can you pass protect? Because that would be the role that he's going to fill. We talked about how healthy Isaiah Pacheco uh, is. He's the early down back. I mean, I, I, and I think he's one of the better early down back in the league backs in the league. Um, and, and not to get into another topic, he's part of the problem with these running backs not getting paid. Like he's the, he's the face of it. Like remember oh when, Eric here Bien-Ami, we go. Remember when Eric Bien-Ami was the face of, of like the coaches getting screwed. I think Isaiah Pacheco is probably the face of um, running backs getting screwed. Anyway, back to the, the topic at hand, you know, I, I think Prince for me projects more as that third down back in 2024 because he has to learn to pass protect. But if he somehow comes out here and can pass protect, early on and the chiefs feel good about it. There could be something brewing real early with, with Prince. And if not like just to replace McKinnon, it's like, let's conserve McKinnon for his classic thing that he's done these past two years, which is dominate down the stretch, just save him up, you know? And so, um, Daenerik Prince, uh, to me has been maybe the most impressive offensive player of training camp so far. He's certainly shown plenty so far, and you got to love that. Just like Justin Ross has. I mean, we, you know, we get all worked up about expectations, and we don't sometimes just say flat out, this guy has looked great. That's true of Ross. It's true of Prince as well. And um, so that's a great sign going forward, just like it is for Ross. We just have to see where it all goes. Yeah. Prince is somebody to monitor, monitor number 34 if you're going to camp this weekend, if you end up just watching the games on TV. Uh, he is someone that's going to have to perform in the preseason games. I have him as a lock to make the roster. Daneric Prince is a, a lock lock to to be on this roster. It's just a matter of the, if the Chiefs end up keeping three or four running backs as you're, right. you're doing these computations in your head. Uh, I think the guy that's on the cusp of being in or out on the bubble, if you will, is probably Clyde. Uh, I I. I favor Clyde making the roster, but I think he's really the only question mark of um, that room in particular. All right. Uh, so we got through two. Now the third of five things from the first days of camp that actually matter. Man, I, I think the free agent pickups on both sides of the ball have really had nice early camps. Richie James looks like a player uh, that is waiting to have a bigger role on the team and not just the punt returner, which I, I think he will be the punt returner for this team. But I think, when it comes to the offense, especially again, now that, you know, you know, in those games that Tyree kill was out, you're like, Oh, the chiefs are going to spread the football and everyone's going to get involved. Now that Tony might be out for a period of time. could be that thing where Kelsey of course is going to get his yardage, but you're going to see four targets, three targets, seven targets, three, you know, of the rest of the team. And I think Richie James could have a role on offense as well. He's quick. Uh, he has burst. He's been making guys miss on one of the early days of camp. He made Nazi Johnson, um, completely miss, and there was a, a gasp from the crowd of like how shifty he is. So uh, A James, and then I'll, I'll let you weigh in, John. But uh, B Drew Tranquil, Drew Tranquil today, and I mentioned it on the the Arrowhead report, the training camp report with Steve. Nick Bolton was sick today. Who got the green dot? It wasn't Willie Gay? It wasn't the returner from last year? It was Drew Tranquil, and they're having him learn all three positions. Steve Spagnuolo threw him right in the fire today. It didn't seem like the defense really skipped a beat and he had two pass breakups yesterday. The one thing that I like is he got his hands on the ball, went through his hands a little bit, fell to the ground and he was livid. He was slamming the ground like a baby. 
Like you don't want to see him <laughs> in a tantrum situation, but it's day three of training camp, uh, you know, of a 48 million day training camp. And he is upset that he's not picking the ball off. So this matters to him. Uh, I had mentioned to Steve, I saw a clip uh, of the franchise coming up where he's excited to pick Justin Herbert off on the Arrowhead stadium field, pointing out where he's going to pick him off uh, easy player to like. And so really, I think, two role player pickups for the chiefs, but two, I really like, and Ron Cott mentioned this, John, about drew in particular, if he becomes the dime linebacker for the team and he is playing uh, in the base and in the nickel looks, he may end up leading their linebackers and snaps and how unbelievable to maybe even have that prospect. We might be getting ahead of ourselves. I know, I know we have to keep that in mind, but um, I just underrated good pickups for Brett Feach and, and so far so good uh, up at training camp. Yeah, neither one of them have been particularly expensive either, which is also very nice. Um, and I, I think in I've I have seen people for both players say I can't believe that their previous teams let them go, that the Giants let um, James go, and that the Chargers let uh, Tranquil go. Um, you know, they both put up really impressive numbers for the situations that they were in. I think even more so with Tranquil. Uh, I mean, the numbers he put up last year, I just, it makes you wonder what was going on in Los Angeles that they felt that they couldn't keep him on. But so far, we've seen no indication of any kind of a problem, a chemistry problem or an attitude problem or anything like that. So maybe they're just dumb out there in Los Angeles. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't no, explain the, it. The, it, the it, Chiefs it, fan go to is maybe they should get some fans out there. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I forgot. Never met that a Charger yeah. fan in my life. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I agree. I don't know. He led the Chargers in tackles. You would think that you'd want to keep that guy around for as cheap as he can. Sure. Yeah. Fun, but... Well, that'd be All like right. the Chiefs letting go of Nick Bolton after his rookie contract is up. It'd be the same. It's essentially the equivalent thing. I don't see that happening. Do you? No. No. So... I, I think there's a couple guys that they're prioritizing. I, I think once Jones, Jones is done, which is the new, if Tony stays healthy, but once Jones is done, I had mentioned Dunlap, but I, as far as extensions go, you have to turn your attention to Bolton. Sneed, Humphrey, and Smith. So you think contract talk is over here on the Airhead Pride Podcast Network? You think again. <laughs> All right. So five things from the first days of camp that actually matter. Mentioned Justin Ross, mentioned Prince, mentioned James, mentioned Tranquil. I mentioned him in a negative way in the past point, but number four, the 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 big story I think of training camp these past two days, not Jalen Watson, not Josh Williams, not Nick Jones, Nazi Johnson is that nickel cornerback. And so let's be clear here. Nazi's not kicking inside with the first team, but you have Lejarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie on the outside, the boundary. And when they go into the nickel, it's been Nazi Johnson last year's seventh rounder. That's been coming on. He had three pass breakups of playing Gabbard on Tuesday. And so they rewarded him now with some, or maybe it was Monday and they rewarded him the past two days with um, playing with the first team, defense and uh, he has seemingly been been holding his own here and I, I think the Chiefs are really seeing what they have by the way if you're wondering who's been kicking into the slot it's mostly been McDuffie not to say LeJarrius Sneed has not done it but I, I think they're eyeing Sneed Island this year let's put him on the the best receiver that the other club has like they were doing toward the end Trent McDuffie's going to be our slot guy when you go into the nickel and I think there's a battle for that third cornerback that we didn't expect. I think we, we kind of thought it would be Jalen Watson or 
like they did last year, Jalen Watson and Josh Williams, depending on right. the looks. Whereas mm-hmm. we have a surprise newcomer, John Nazi Johnson, uh, that will be vying for that third cornerback spot. Member of the thundering herd from Marshall University. I always like always like to see players from that school. Yeah, uh, they they have quite a tradition, a football tradition there at Marshall. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, uh, that's right. Well, still. okay, so I'm influenced by movies. Sue me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, what a story that was, of course, back in when it was a real thing. But uh, yeah, this is a player that the Chiefs have been high on uh, as a special teams player. And this is exactly how guys make it in the NFL is that they, they make their way onto a special teams roster and they make plays in special teams while they gain experience. And then after a year or two, they find roles uh, on the offensive or defensive unit. And that's exactly what we're seeing with Nazi Johnson. And um, so he, that makes him a great story and uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out of course. But um, man, the chiefs are certainly doing a great job at finding uh, players late in the draft and, uh, and Nazi Johnson, if he becomes a significant player for the chiefs this year, will be yet another example of that. Yeah. I, we have no shortage of praise for Brett Veach on the show, but I think something that we haven't talked about enough. Uh, and I know that rookie contracts are always associated with the quarterback. We know about the tremendous job he did to get a starting center and a starting right guard in in their rookie years and on that rookie deal. And, and that was important, but John, you're looking at a cornerback room of Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, Nazi Johnson. And I project Nick Jones. That's six cornerbacks who are pretty damn good. And all of them at this point, as we're recording here at five o'clock on Wednesday are in their rookie deals. They're yeah. still in their rookie deals. All six. Now, if yeah. Jones gets done and, who knows? Um, I know that uh, there's someone in West Virginia that runs a football blog that wants Mahomes to get done really badly. If maybe there's more money and maybe Sneed gets done, John. Maybe Sneed gets done. Yeah. And yeah. But as of right now, as we're talking, um, all six rookie contracts. That's really impressive. It is, and of course, at the same time, that can cause you problems down the road when all of those bills come due at the end of those rookie contracts, you know, let's say for example, that Jalen Watson and Trent McDuffie and uh, Joshua Williams all play the rest of their rookie contracts and become great players for the chiefs. Well, they're all going to be looking for new contracts at essentially the same time. I guess Trent McDuffie will be a year further down the road because he's a first round pick, but you see the problem here is that they can add up really quickly. Think about about the Patriots dynasty, right? Yeah. Watching afar from Kansas City, you probably some off seasons were like, they cut who? What? Yeah, right. They're available yeah. now? Yeah. Because when you're a damn good football team, eventually you gotta like make a really hard decision. Like, I think we, this sucks to say. I think we live in a world where the Chiefs just straight up walk away from Nick Bolton. I don't I hope that doesn't happen, right? Like you don't or they say, you know what? Trey Smith is a little too expensive to keep everybody like you have to make some tough decisions at a certain point. And so that is part of um, being a dynasty. That's part of winning a lot of championships. That's part of drafting well. And uh, those are in a weird way, the the tough decisions that you want to be making. It's the best Mm -hmm. teams in the league that have to figure out how to continue to keep the cap uh, number under. All right. And part of the problem with that too, is also a structural issue with the CBA and that, 
particularly with regard to players like Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, who are interior offensive linemen. There's just one franchise tag number for offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. So if you have a guy that becomes, you know, gets the end of his rookie contract and is a free agent, if you want to franchise that tag, franchise tag that guy, and he's a center, you have to pay him the same amount of money you'd pay a tackle. Now that's, that's, that's fouled up. If you ask me, that's something that needs to change because it's not fair uh, to offensive linemen because they don't get nearly as much opportunity to stay with their original teams. After all, the two best centers the Chiefs have had have both walked in free agency um, in, in recent years, I should say. Rodney Hudson um, and Mitch Morse. Uh, Mitch Morse, yes, of course. Yeah. Those two those two guys are the best centers the Chiefs had had in you know forever. Well, Creed and better yet, not be good somewhere else, John. That's all. That's I'm well, exactly. And but that's kind of it's kind of set up for that the way that they have yeah. got this structured with the offensive line being on the same level all of, all the way across it. So I think that's more of a messed up thing than the value of running backs. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> we have we have a lot of work to do with this NFL. All yeah. right. Justin Ross and Eric Prince. I mentioned the free agent pickups, Nazi Johnson and. The underrated, underrated story about the six cornerbacks all on rookie deals. Uh, final thing from the first days of camp that actually matter, and I'll be honest, this last one is maybe something that not uh, actually matters, but it's part bold prediction, just what I'm seeing out there. I think Noah Gray is going to be a thing this year. I really do. I'm seeing him at camp. He looks as comfortable as he ever has before. We, I think, have gotten obsessed with the wide receiver room as both uh, reporters, certainly as a fan base, is too obsessed with the wide receiver room. There are different ways to win football games. I think the Chiefs lean into to their running backs. I think they ground and pound with Isaiah Pacheco again. I think they use Daneric Prince and Jarek McKinnon, as we've discussed and as you saw at the end of last year, where you have those checkdowns and they're able to have a little bit of space and jet their way into the end zone. Uh, pun pun intended there i think you see a lot of 12 where there's two tight ends three tight ends on the field and you're going a little bit heavier and then you kind of caught catch the the opposing defenses off guard where you take these deep shots every once in a while i just think you know we we are always looking to the receiver room it's like well who's going to replace juju smith schuster like how are they going to continue to replace all the production that tyree kill had especially now that Kadarius tony this is the thing about andy Reid. he 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 adopts the offense to what he has. And so right. if he doesn't feel like he has the receivers, the a talent at receiver to win a football game, you know what he'll do? He'll lean to the tight ends. I think there's going to be more opportunity for Noah Gray. He's lived in this gigantic Travis Kelsey shadow uh, for a long time. And maybe I need to quantify it. Let's say somewhere between five and 800 yards for Noah Gray and a couple touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, and I think you see even more of three tight end sets with, with Jody Fortson along for the ride. Uh, but, you know, the point being is um, I'm I'm putting my proverbial flag into the, the dirt here <laughs> for for Noah Gray. I think this is the year that you start to pay more attention to tight end, too. I think somebody who isn't on this in this conversation is Chris Jones. Um, but um, I, don't, I don't know what the hell's going on with Chris Jones. Because the, the last report I'm hearing is that neither one of the sides are anywhere close, anywhere close to um, to to resolving the contract situation. They're really far apart. 
And I think for me, the the thing that comes to mind is, well, who's going to budge? And when you say who's going to budge, who needs who more in the situation? And that's what generally it's always about. Like I always thought as crazy and as close as it got and as much as the narrative felt, I always thought like, like, what are we doing here? Like the Baltimore Ravens need Lamar Jackson a lot more than Lamar Jackson needs the Baltimore Ravens. Like I, I always thought, thought that was the case. Like Lamar is like he has gotten enough money and he is and he is of an age where he's gonna get paid and he's gonna get traded. We just watched Deshaun Watson pull it off. He'll get out of there. But the Ravens are still in win mode. They're making all moves to win. Like at some point, they like the, the the person with the leverage and who needs the person more was the Ravens, and I think that is the question: who needs who more in this situation? Who is it on to get this thing done? Is it Chris Jones needing the Chiefs more, or is it the Chiefs needing Chris Jones more? I think that's what it's going to come down to. Ron, I'm going to give you a few numbers. All right, you tell me how you feel about this afterwards. The first one, Aaron Donald, 31.1. The second one, Quinnen Williams, 24. Those are the average annual values between the first and the second highest paid defensive tackles in the NFL. 31, 24. Then practical guaranteed money. Aaron Donald, 95. Quinnen Williams, 66. (laughs) What happened to the Chiefs is that the market didn't actually get reset with any of these guys that signed this offseason. I think the best case scenario for the Chiefs was for one of Dexter Lawrence, Deron Payne, Jeffrey Simmons, or Quinnen Williams to go out there and get closer to the Aaron Donald contract. Now, they wouldn't say that publicly because that would hurt their negotiation stance because they're negotiating off of Quinnen Williams And Chris Jones is negotiating off of Aaron Donald. The problem is, man, there is a lot of room between those two guys. There's $7 million per year on the contract and $30 million of practical guarantees difference between those two players that they're using as comparisons for Chris Jones. Now, obviously, Chris Jones is better than Quinnen Williams. He's going to get more money, both in terms of the AAV and the guaranteed than what Quinnen Williams got. But how much more? That's where this conversation really gets interesting. And I'm sure what he's saying, and we saw this reported by Nate um, over in The Athletic, he wants 30 mil. I bet you the Chiefs are like, ah, we'll give you 26, 27 mil. And somewhere in the middle is where this is likely to end up. But the actual number that matters is that guaranteed number, man. And there's $30 million of guarantees that are different between Aaron Donald and Quinnen Williams. And man, that is a massive bridge to be able to divide between the team and the player. And so this is where I get to the interesting thing for me. And I don't know how many people are actually having the conversation because this is probably what's happening inside of the Chiefs building at some point if this stuff gets ugly. What's the argument against it? Like, what is the argument that the Chiefs would make if they decide, you know what, we are better off doing what we did with Tyreek and moving on after the year. Because there will come a point in time where it at least has to be a discussion. I don't know if it's that if that's now, 
if that's three weeks from now, but there's going to come a point in time where they say in 2024, what does it look like for us to be better without paying Chris Jones close to $30 million per year? Do you have a legitimate argument for that, Ron? Serta, do you? Not right now. I, I mean, I think that the argument I think would be that we're young. We're getting younger. We have a lot of young talent that we've drafted and developed over the last couple of years on this side of the, on the defensive side of the ball. And so you're like, well, we can see what we have in Felix. We can see what we have in George. And I, I know we all like George, but like none of us looked at George last season. And we're like, that guy is going to turn into an elite superstar pass rusher or anything. I think George is a nice complimentary pass rusher who could have a strong role on the defense this yeah, season. But you ain't got nothing but, in that position. You know. But I, but I also, but that's, that's the thing is like, it gets ugly when you start looking at the interior defensive line. If Chris Jones isn't there and, it all works because of Chris Jones. So this idea of the chiefs having this top 10 defense, this is the deepest, most talented defense they've ever put around Mahomes. maybe the deepest, most talented team they've ever put around Mahomes, And we could be headed into a season where this is the best they've ever looked top to bottom as a team in the Mahomes era that totally unravels on the defensive side of the ball. If Chris Jones isn't on the field week one, like That's it, the, the, it simply yeah. does because he's the thing that makes it all work. And I and, and and I know you're meaning even more moving past this year. What that like? What's that look like? They they would need to act fast on a, re, a plan for a replacement there. And I there's not a lot of there's not a lot of viable replacements that are like Chris Jones. Not not available. interior defensive linemen. No. I mean, or, or or any defensive lineman that can give you the the protect protection. And fear. See, that's the part why I I think that I feel like the Chiefs are in championship or bust every year right now, and like that's why I feel like Chris Jones is in the driver's seat. Chris Jones has already been paid a big contract before. Chris Jones has two rings. Chris Jones is still in a place young enough that he will get another contract after this year from somebody. And right now, like the Chiefs need or are trying to win a championship every year, and they've put themselves in a position where they've built the entirety of the defense around ninety-five. Like that is how that is how this team and defense is set up. And there is nothing to back to back that up at this point. Um, so I you know, I, I think I feel like Chris Jones is in a space where the Chiefs need him right now more than the Chiefs need Chris Jones. Because I just, like, at least you can explain to yourself, all right, because you compared it to Tyreek, and I think that's the, the notion. And at least with Tyreek, like, all right, we got Travis, and we have Mahomes, and we have Andy to kind of offset. Like, we could figure out something with that. Over here, Doc. Man, we got Steve Spagnola, who is, I mean, a a a a good defensive coordinator, but 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 I mean, he need, I mean, he's not just he's not Belichick over here, where it doesn't it doesn't matter who the hell he's got, right? And uh, and and pass rush is a big thing that it's predicated on, and I just, whew, I, I I just I don't know. I feel like to me, Chris Jones is in the driver's seat. I don't. I really don't. Up I, yours. I, 
I'm serious. <laughs> and the reason why I feel this way, Ron, is because the Chiefs have shown if you are asking for legit top of the market money and your name is not Patrick Mahomes, they will move on. And they don't care who you are, what position you play, how important you were to Super Bowl wins. Everybody takes less other than Mahomes. Everybody. Travis Kelsey did it to be able to stay here. Like all of the guys that remained, and there aren't many of them, they all took a little less because that's the culture that they are trying to implement. Now, you can disagree with that. And I think there's a fair case to be made that this would be the quote-unquote wrong move. But I could see a world in which the Chiefs say, we made it work offensively without Tyreek, and we can do the same defensively by instead of paying an over 30-year-old defensive tackle, which the history of those guys is not ideal, instead of paying that guy 60 plus million dollars guaranteed into his age 32 or 33 season you know what we're going to repurpose that money we're going to go ahead and spread that around a little bit we're going to keep creed humphrey we're going to keep trey smith those are going to take top of the market or close to it deals at their respective positions we're going to keep legerious sneed and then we're going to use that first round pick that we're going to get next year from chris jones to improve our roster and we're going to go out and spend some money on something else maybe they go get a legit pass rusher coming off of the edge. Maybe they go sign somebody that can be like a game-changing safety. I don't know who the top free agents are that are coming up over the next couple of seasons, but you can get in on some of those markets for the younger players that are about to hit free agency. That is the history of Brett Veach. And so I I didn't think we were getting here, but man, I, I am starting to wonder if that's where his mind is wandering. Oh, I'm not. I don't think they're afraid to do it. Like I, 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 I'm not saying that they wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if their brigade plan was, all right, let's let's test him, let's play him out this year, and then next year we let him walk. I, 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 I they've got examples of it. I think this is different though. I think this is arguably the Patrick Mahomes of this side of the ball. I don't think they've had but a nobody's player. the Mahomes. Nobody's right. the Mahomes. This is the Kelsey. And the corollary for the Kelsey side of things is taking a little less to make I disagree. It work. I, I, I think, no, I think on the defensive side of the ball, now he's not going to get paid like Mahomes. I think on the defensive side of the ball, the whole thing is built about around him. I think he is the Mahomes of the defense. Like his importance is the is Mahomes-like, not, and not Travis. I think Mahomes-like. They've run this thing around him. Now they could, they could j- jump ship and change it all. But right now, they have run this thing through him. And he is the Mahomes like of, of that side of the ball. This isn't Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew was not uh, – was not the, the defense wasn't built around Tyron Matthew, although he was a great player. I think this thing is built around him, and he is the number one thing that makes it go. They don't I, beat the, the Bengals without him. They don't win some of these games without him. The number one thing that makes it go. That's why I think it's different than Tyreek. I agree with you. I think the question they'll be asking, though, is can you build it that way when he's 33? Because that's what you would have to do for him to be worth the money that you'll be paying him. You do not pay him for what he's been. You're paying him for what he's going to be on the next part of this contract. And so you're paying for age 31, 32, and 33. And if you think that he can continue to be the same guy that he was last year and has been over the last few seasons, it's a no-brainer. You got to do it. I think the calculus here, though, is, is he going to be that guy two, three years from now? 
because when it goes at this position, man, it tends to go pretty quick. And those guys stop becoming the Patrick Mahomes of that side of the ball. And instead, they become secondary pieces. And do you want to pay a guy that is an ancillary piece, still really, really good, but not dominant, $30 million per year? I, I think that's what they're trying to decide right now internally. It's. I think the path that you laid out, BK, is the path to that. Like, if they were to move on from him, like, that's what it's going to be is, okay, it frees up money. This is what we got for this season. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go re-sign Carlos Dunlap or something, and we're going to use Charles Amenahu on the interior and outside, and Spags is just going to figure it out. He's just and to be fair, I'm talking pressure. about for 2024. Chris Jones yeah. is going to be a chief in 2023. That is not changing. Yeah. But yeah. the question is, going into next year when this contract it's, would start, could they otherwise franchise tag him and trade him the way that we've seen them do before? And but that's also like at that age, like I don't think you're going to net the return that some people would think that you're going to net for a player who is going to command a lot of money. And then I think it all comes down to the guaranteed money, like you already said, because I don't think the Chiefs are interested and he's under contract this season. Like he's probably looking for another three years tacked on to this season. Yeah, and I don't to, know if the Chiefs are interested age, in giving yeah. in giving him another three, which three is probably two, and then that 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 fourth year is, is basically we can just cut you whenever. That's how NFL contracts work. But I think the Chiefs would probably be more safe, feel feel more safe. Like we'll give you a big signing bonus, but we want a two year extension, so you're basically under contract for three seasons, and we can cut ties with you after two seasons if you start to decline. Like that's the way things work in the NFL. And if no, I'm Chris Jones, I'm saying I'm not signing that deal because I am somebody that is different than the dudes that signed with two years of guaranteed money. I am a future Hall of Famer because he is. I think Chris Jones is a future Hall of Fame defensive tackle, and when you are at that status – and you are very clearly, at worst, the second best player at your position. Those guys never hit the market. And they tend to, when they get paid, get paid at or near the top of the market. So that's what he should be thinking. And those guys get three-plus years of guaranteed money. And yeah, I think that's where the, the tough conversation is going to come in. Yeah, it, it, he's just turned 29. And the next four years, 29, 30, 31, 32, right, to me, I, I think – is enough now? Maybe if you're thir- now maybe age thirty-two, the fourth year, if he is playing on that, like he's not up to this point. Do I think that Chris Jones has still three, at least three years of high-level play? I do. I, I think he does. And, and he showed he no signs of decline. And and, and and he's still a monster. And the pressure that it is that the Chiefs are under, and what they're they are championship hunting with with Patrick Mahomes, and. If they if they pull out of this while other teams are pushing up and they pull out of this and they take this thing to like it was when Mahomes first got here and they had a shaky, shaky defense all the time and he had to go and carry and win games like that. I mean, that that's a that's a chance they could take. But I think the pressure of them being in the championship hunt and them losing him, I, I you know, I don't know. Now, now, I don't think he's going to go up and get Aaron Donald's money, but I, I think I, I think he's in. I think he is in a really, really good spot with the Chiefs. 